Hi, everybody. This is Jeff from Sacramento Startups Podcast. Yesterday, I attended the Aggie Innovation and Startup Symposium at UC Davis for a full day of great speakers and panelists helping students get introduced to the idea of entrepreneurship as a career path. There were some great talks and discussions, some of which I captured on audio so I could share them here on the podcast. In one of those panel discussions, Mariah Lichtenstern facilitated a panel of women discussing increasing diversity in the startup community. The panel included Vinita Sivamani, Kimi Pollock, and Anne Tron. Take a listen. Well, hello, everybody. Hello. 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 Call and response. Yay. I'm so excited to be here today. Um, you know, as we all know, the access to social uh, human and financial capital for people who are underrepresented in technology is very real. And we could go over a, a litany of statistics that tell us about the problems, but I hope what we can do today is not only look at the challenges and problems in our industry, but we can also look at some of the solutions and ways that we can pioneer new paradigms for the future. So I'd like to just share a little bit about my personal journey, and I'm really excited to introduce our panelists today. One of the things that came up um, in the internal introduction, thank you, is that uh, we just launched our first cohort uh, for the Founder Institute Sacramento. I myself am a graduate with my company, Sinishares, and I'm so excited that we recruited a really diverse um, pool of entrepreneurs. We graduated our first seven entrepreneurs this uh, last month, and of them, over, let's see, we had seven graduates, five were women. So, now, I'd like to mention here that not, diversity was not, it was, it was definitely desired, but it wasn't a factor in selecting who the um, applicants who were accepted were. had nothing to do with it at all. Uh, let alone the graduates. The graduates are the ones who, who, who ran the course. Um, but I think because we had a diverse team and that because we created an atmosphere where people uh, could feel welcome, I think we attracted diversity. And so uh, that's why it's just so wonderful to see such a diverse room today and have such wonderful panelists that can portray an image that you are welcome and wanted in this space, in technology and entrepreneurship. So, you know, me, myself, I started as an entrepreneur when I was an undergrad, like um, many of you, I was at UC Berkeley and it was in the middle of the dot-com boom and bust, so I'm aging myself, but, you know, gray hair's already doing it, so. Yes, it's true, I was there, I've been through two boom and busts. And, uh, you know, I, I had no concept of what a startup was. It just wasn't even a path. I mean, I took the computer science classes I had it in my high school. I took AP uh, physics and calculus and statistics, but I never knew what an engineer was or what a computer scientist was. I didn't know any of those things. It wasn't an option for me. I didn't know about hidden figures. Uh, but this is a new era, and it's an era in which we have social media, and we can uh, make things go viral, we can share and reshare, and so there's so many opportunities in this, in this era that we're in to not only showcase the opportunities, but to you know, share with others beyond the room that we're in today. So thank goodness for that. Um, so yeah, I started um, as, a, as an undergrad in enterprise, and definitely one of the biggest challenges was access to capital, but you know what? The biggest thing that keeps people from accessing capital is human resources and network. So if I could go back to where many of you are today, I would look around very carefully to the people sitting right next to you. And they are not where they're going to be 10 years from now. They're not where they're going to be a year from now. There's a, a woman in this room that I met a year ago who introduced me to, to Beth's husband, and it's amazing how we've come full circle here today. Shelly, Shelly, we're so Yes, so we met through Kelsey, and you know, look how this all worked out. If I had known that when I was an undergraduate, this little introverted girl, believe it or not, <laughs> I would have done things a lot differently. But I didn't have those mentors uh, that were telling me that, so that's one of the first things I want to tell you is just Please look around. Every single person in this room is amazing. And they may not tell you how amazing they are. 
So find out, connect, connect on LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever is your thing. I love LinkedIn personally. Watch their tra- trajectory, what they're thinking about, and connect the dots. Find opportunities to help each other and to promote each other. Um, and you will find that you will stay top of mind and what goes around comes around. So take this, uh, this opportunity to not only hear from us today, but to learn about each other and stay connected because if you're in this room, you are all going places. So I don't want to go um, too much further into my journey because you've heard a lot of it in the bio and I'm happy to connect with many of you as well. But I'd like to introduce our panelists and they each prepared a little bit to tell you about their journey and I'm sure we'll discover all kinds of other things as we go through our questions. So um, first of all, we have On Tran. On Tran is a co-founder and CEO of Notify LLC, a leading provider of cloud-based package management and community notification platforms. Notify is designed for colleges and university house, and universities housing, residential buildings, corporate mailrooms, and mailbox stores. On co-founded and subsequently sold PDO, portable device outfitters, an online retailer and distributor of mobile device accessories. On also spelt, spent 13 years at POS Portal, where she held leadership positions and was responsible for product development, strategic planning, and business development. Ann has a Bachelor's of Science in Microbiology from the University of California, Davis. She's a graduate. Happy Pride, happy Pride. Give pause for the happy Pride. She's a graduate of the Sacramento Entrepreneurial Academy. We are in the house, all right. We hear you. Ann currently lives in Roseville, California with her husband and two children. She enjoys hiking and spending time with her family. for me to really explore and take advantage of the different internship 
and the resources that have, were on campus for me to really go out and find what was the right fit for me. Because I did all the different internship and the health profession from intern at the UC Davis EDR, ER to um, uh, working at the Lance Crafter Eye Exam in downtown SAC and really, you know, finding is the health profession my right path to head towards or uh, really I'm just following along with what everybody's saying I should do. Uh, and then my junior year is when I realized this is really what isn't what I want to do. You know, um, I had deep inside of me, I really wanted to start a business. I always did when I was young, but it was never um, exposed or um, known for me that women can go into business. And so I was very curious. Um, so I decided, you know, I need to go and find something that could give me that opportunity to start a business. Uh, so I went to the Career Center in South Florida, UC Davis, uh, kind of looked around, see what's there for business related, and um, sure enough, I found a informational night about Sacramento Entrepreneur Academy. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization uh, that's run by a very local, successful um, business uh, entrepreneur here in Sacramento. And so I decided to take that course. It's a one-year program where you commit every Saturday morning to be with a group of people that has the same mindset and the same motivation to want to start a business and be surrounded with mentors and people that have gone through that experience. Uh, so it was a great opportunity for me at that time to really open my eye and just put rising, be able to know that, hey, we can, as a woman, can start a business and be in the business field. Um, and, you know, I still remember today, it's kind of emotional when I talk about it, but it was my fear of going home and um, telling my parents that, hey, I'm not going to go into professional school. I got to go to grad school, but I want to start a business instead. And um, my mom looked at me, and I knew uh, it was a whole pretty heartbroken for her, but she was very supportive. Um, so I, I always get emotional when I talk about that because today she's very supportive in what I do, and especially uh, raising two kids. Um, sorry about this. Um, is that I couldn't have been here where I am today with her help and um, giving me that opportunity as a woman and not being a barrier that, hey, if you have kids or you're a woman, you cannot go out and start a business. Um, so I'm very... Very uh, grateful and very excited at the same time really be part of this panel and to really see more and more uh, women coming out and want to be in the business field and really start a business because now as I read more um, entrepreneur magazine or business article, I see more women CEO or women startup company and that's very exciting because business is for everyone. It's not just for one gender. It's for anyone who has a belief and have an interest the motivation and wants to do what they want to do as their dream. And um, I'll conclude it in a sense that I've lived in the American dream because it's a, a great opportunity and we shouldn't be shy away from our color, our gender, or anything. You should just pursue what you think is best for you. So thank you.
an accelerator that funds and grows Sacramento startups while helping to develop the local innovation ecosystem. She currently serves as a fellow with Green D Ventures, a venture capital firm for Dartmouth alumni, and is principal and founder at Bloom Factor, an innovation consulting firm in Oakland. Kimmy has over a decade of experience leading product design and development teams, delivering award-winning products for companies such as Tebow and LeapFrog. As a senior brand manager at LeapFrog, she developed and led the global gaming division, focusing on portfolio diversification and white space innovation. Kimmy holds a dual BA degree in computer science and Spanish from Dartmouth College and an MBA from MIT Sloan School of Management. Well, I ain't mad at you, girl. Kimmy. I'm going to try and stay in place here, if that's okay. Actually, I don't want to hold this down. So thank you, Mariah, for the introduction. Um, I am going to start kind of at the beginning and um, tell you how I got to where I am right now. Uh, so uh, I graduated from uh, Dartmouth, as you mentioned, in computer science, um, and I immediately moved to the Bay Area, because that's where you go when you do computer science. Um, and I had a hard time getting into the field. I was a little bit surprised. Um, it was a little humbling to me. I said I just graduated with honors. Um, what's happening here? I know that I can do these jobs, um, and I was not getting them. Um, so it was a little disheartening for me, and so what I decided to do was just carve my own path. And so I found a company, a startup that was doing web development, and I started working for them as a project manager, working more on the, um, the human side of things, and then started doing immediately doing interface design. Um, and it was a big thing at the time because Apple started to pay attention, and everybody else started to pay attention to these products need to be usable. Um, so it was very exciting to me, it was a new field, and I was very excited to work on it. Um, it's only later I realized that the reason that I moved away from that path was, um, Mariah mentioned before, feeling welcoming into um, a specific field and seeing people that you can relate to and knowing that you can do this. I think fundamentally, I didn't believe in myself. Um, and fundamentally, um, I was facing a lot of obstacles that I couldn't really put a finger on. I didn't really know, and I think it was only much year, many years later that I realized that I was facing things that other people were facing as well, and it wasn't me. Um, so I started my own business about a year later. Um, I really liked user experience design, and I was pretty good at it, and I saw what my partners were doing in that company, and I said, I think I can do this. Um, so I was 23 years old, and I started consulting. Um, so I faced uh, a lot of difficulties there. I was young in a field where you really should have great years to start convincing people to give you money. Um, and I was a woman, and I am the color that I am. So it was difficult, um, but I hit the ground running. And I think um, with anything in entrepreneurship, it's always about perseverance. And the thing that I just said, belief. You have to believe in yourself, and you have to just carve your own path. You're going to face obstacles regardless of where you come from and what background you have, and some of us have more obstacles than others, but it takes perseverance and it takes pushing through. Um, so I've been running that company um, with my husband for about 10 years. We've been doing a lot of um, work for many companies, some that were mentioned there, um, and I went back into my business degree um, with the intention of um, doing more strategy and, and doing more development um, and also starting my own company, another company. Um, so we've done many side ventures, um, as people do. <laughs> Everybody has a side venture when they're in the Bay Area. Um, and I think also while you're in college, I encourage you to do that. Um, so we were doing those, and then what I realized is we wanted to do another company, and it was becoming very, very difficult to do so in Oakland. Um, it is extremely, extremely expensive, if you haven't heard. <laughs> and impossible to hire people, impossible to find funding. Um, so what we decided was we're going to pick up and move somewhere else, and we started looking at Columbia, um, and somehow got connected to people here in Sacramento and said, why are we moving to Columbia when there are burgeoning economies and startup systems that are happening everywhere? You are in the middle of one that is really going to be something huge. There is all of the right um, attention that's being paid to it. You are in the hub of a lot of um, activity. And quite frankly, there's a lot of people coming here as well for the very things that you have. So do not take that for granted. So basically, 
everybody here in Sacramento. Um, we are going to be uh, taking startups both locally and um, from uh, other regions and bringing them here to Sacramento to exactly see that, that burgeoning ecosystem and to foster it. Uh, what we need now is mentorship and we need the capital. Um, as was also mentioned, I'm working in venture capital now as well. Um, so I've, I decided that because of the problem, we heard the 2% number um, a little while ago, I wanted to be part of the solution. So instead of building little startups that may not um, make much of a difference, I wanted to go on the other side of the table. Um, so I've been working with a venture capital firm that was mentioned is connected with my alma mater. And we are having exactly these conversations about it's time to look at geography diversification, to look at gender diversification, and to just look at outlook diversification. We need to start expanding where innovation is in order for society to get better in general. Um, and for startups to have a chance, uh, there is no need to think of a move to the Bay Area. The whole world does not need to go and move to San Francisco. Uh, what we need to do is to support all entrepreneurs everywhere, no matter what they look like, no matter where they come from. Um, so. You know, when you were sharing with your, your story about moving to the Bay Area and having such a hard time, and, you know, it's a, when you go out into the workforce, into the career field, you know, you've heard the stories, right? You may have had some unsavory experiences. We all have unsavory experiences in life. You might go, that's just a relic. But, you know, those, those experiences add up and they form systematic biases, right? Um, and don't expect as a woman, for example, that you're going to go out to the workforce and be made uncomfortable by someone, you know, groping you or saying something really inappropriate. But it still happens. Yes, there's been trailblazers, there's been suffragettes, um, but, you know, bias is real and we still have to, you know, press on. Um, so you had mentioned, you know, being a woman and being the color I am and, you know, you walk in a room. And you know, you, some people don't have to announce uh, some of the adversities that they overcome to get to that room. Um, they're kind of implied, and a lot of times other things are implied as well. But there's a statistic that I wanted to share, kind of based on what you were saying about um, being on the other side of the table and, and making a difference and helping to empower um, other startups. Uh, 16 black women so far have raised over a million dollars in venture capital. 16. Six. Not this year. There was two just a couple months ago. They were the same company. 16. And um, that's sad. But I want to share another statistic. Statistic. There have been seven black women who have had an exit, M&A, or IPO. Hello.
going to introduce our last panelist, but not the least among us, Vanita Sivamani. I almost did a rap with her name as a rhyme, but uh, yeah. Uh, so Vanita is co-founder and CEO of Dermveda, an integrative skincare education platform for practitioners and the public. With a team of dermatologists in collaboration with alternative medical practitioners, Dermveda brings an interdisciplinary and personalized approach to skincare from beauty to skin diseases. Dermveda launched its site in 2016 and has garnered support from industry associations and skin specialists as a platform for credible science-backed skin health information with expert-reviewed content, ebooks, and courses. This year, they expanded into continuing medical education and will be hosting the world's first integrative skin care symposium in October. Right on. Vanita is passionate about education and empowering others to make the best decisions for their health and well-being. A former teacher, she received her undergraduate degree and MBA from UC Davis. Where she was awarded the college medal and the university's top leadership award. I appreciate those tips too that you and your husband were working on. I'm working on it. I'm gonna be like you. I'm gonna be like you. Thank you so much. That was an awesome intro. And it's so good to be back on campus. Good afternoon, everybody. So I am really honored to talk today. Um, so I did come back to UC Davis twice over. So first I was here as an undergrad and I graduated 10 years ago in human development. So my original career path was teaching. I have a huge passion for education. I think that is the ultimate game changer at the end of the day for an individual, for a community. So for me, I'm all about the education. And so when I first graduated, I joined Teach for America. I taught in the classroom for a few years. And then I started realizing that there were a lot of flaws in the system and that what I, as, as rewarding as it is to teach, there's honestly nothing like it. Those kids love you unconditionally. It's the most rewarding experience. But at the end of the day, I, I really just wanted to kind of work at the system level and to be able to impact greater change. And so that is one of the reasons why I decided to start my own company a few years later. So I didn't. I also didn't know what an entrepreneur was, or that I could start a business. I honestly, it's only recently, really, when a coach sat me down and she's like, "You know, you're the CEO, right? You've really got to start acting like one." And I was like, "Oh yeah," because I was so supporting this and helping with that. But you know, it just it didn't really click to me that what entrepreneurship is, or to call yourself an entrepreneur. And so I realized I didn't know anything about it. I had an education background, and um, the, the idea really started over our dinner table. So um, our friends who are dermatologists and my co-founders, who became my co-founders, really had a, a dire need around patient education. So a lot of people don't realize this, but skin is actually the number one driver of doctor's visits. So over diabetes, heart disease, cancer, is actually skin that leads people to go see their doctor. It's the largest organ, so when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. But oftentimes people don't realize. And so by the time you go see your dermatologist, usually you've waited a while, and you're going to get a maximum of 15 minutes uh, at best. That's on a good day to talk to them. So if you have something really serious, like um, a chronic acne, or your child has eczema, or you've just been diagnosed with a melanoma, because we see it happen now at all age demographics. It's, it's not just, you know, as you age, it can happen at any time. So if, if these types of things come up and happen, you don't have a lot of time to talk to your dermatologist about it. And so one day, um, I think this is one of the beauties of kind of being the outside person and being the, you know, the person who would be receiving the services is you can understand from that perspective, the user experience perspective. And so one time I just said, hey, you know, why don't you send them home with information? And then there was just like dead silence, blank stares at each other. They realized nobody had information to send home. So then I thought for sure it was just, you know, maybe they just didn't know or they hadn't found it. And we started scouring the web, and there was literally one single site in the whole world that we could find that was backed by dermatologists, so led by dermatologists, and focused on skin. And the reason that's important is each of these disciplines is so nuanced. So if you have a website that tries to cover the whole body, it's going to miss a lot of that um, important nuance and detail to those specific conditions. The other thing we realized is that most of medicine 
has focused, has not been very focused on diversity. So a lot of the research has just been in one demographic. They haven't done a lot of research. It's really only even recently that breast cancer research was even done on women. I think I want to say it's only in the last couple decades. Um, so believe it or not, breast cancer drugs were made out of men who had breast um, cancer until really only in the last few decades. So imagine skin, they have a long ways to go, but there was just this growing need towards understanding skin from a diverse perspective and different demographics and gender and age and all of that. So that was the other missing element, is not only was there not enough information about dermatology, but not enough relevant information. So people who were Googling had no idea if they looked like me, if that information was relevant and would make sense. So those were really the two main pain points that we started addressing. And uh, so we realized that we were going to have to build this site. And they're all clinicians. They see patients during the day. And so they turned to me and they were like, well. And I said, gosh, I mean, yeah, I love education, but I have no idea how to start a business. And so I came back to UC Davis to study how to do that. And so I graduated from the uh, MBA program a couple years ago. And I loved it because I had the chance to really kind of pick the brains of my mentors to understand and you know things like how do you build a team, how do you um, produce a, a company that's viable as an MVP, um, get it out to market, do market testing. I mean, there's just so much you've got to understand when you're when you're an entrepreneur. You've got to understand how to do everything. Build the product, market it, raise the funding to grow it, um, and all of that. So it's just that you wear a lot of hats. And so to have had a couple years to just really focus on that was really valuable for me. So not all entrepreneurs have to do that. Usually, you know, many of my friends and colleagues have just um, dived right in and been really successful. But I really wanted to study it and learn it before I started. Um, so then I went full-time after I graduated, and um, that's when we really started building our team and growing the concept. And what we learned is uh, the alternative medicine piece became a huge element. So not only is Western dermatology huge, it's the number one driver of doctor's visits, but if you think about in your own life, how many of you do yoga, or maybe you want to eat healthier, I see vegan options out there, woohoo! Um, you know, just think about what you're putting in your body, on your body, how you live in your environment. That all obviously affects your health. And often what's on the inside becomes represented on the outside. So skin, again, plays a huge role in just overall health. And so, so many people were coming into their office asking, hey, have you heard of gochugla or curcumin? Or, you know, what should I do about this chronic pain? Just all these questions would come up that they didn't learn in med school. Um, so then we realized, okay, well, who does this really well? It's in naturopathy, in Chinese medicine, and in Ayurveda. They have thousands of years or hundreds of years of experience with this, and now finally scientific literature is coming, uh, catching up. So we now have studies that show the impact of reducing inflammation with curcumin. I mean, so many studies on all these different botanicals, different lifestyle approaches. So now when a parent comes in and has a child with eczema or somebody with acne, before going on you know, a, a really severe drug, they might try eliminating dairy or changing their diet, going gluten-free. There's a lot of more alternatives now that people can use. So that was the other big piece that we had to capture. And it turns out we were the first ones really in the world to do this. So now you're taking a first-time startup person, kind of hiring a new area of health in a very, very um, desirable field of medicine and dermatology. So now that really kind of, when we realized that that's what we had to do, we reached across the aisle to find these world experts and see if they'd be willing to work with us. And it took a couple years, but we were able to find the world experts in naturopathy, Chinese medicine, and Ayurveda, as well as Western dermatology to help us put all of this curriculum and content together to be editors to kind of champion this for us. And that was really, really pivotal. And the cool thing that it taught me is because in that year that we were building this team and I had world experts and we had people coming to our website, even though we spent zero on marketing, we had thousands of people coming to our website because of Google searches. So I knew we were onto something, but we kept getting rejected. Nobody would take me seriously. Nobody thought that our startup was valuable. People heard education and they heard skin and they said, well, when are you gonna build a product? And we said, we're not. We're not a product company. We're, in, we're here to find information that's gonna help people. And maybe we can assess products, we can analyze ingredients in products, but we don't wanna be another product company. So we just were in this kind of difficult space for people. It was a new area of medicine. It was a new concept. 
It hadn't been done before. And so I started realizing investors really, really like patterns. They want to see, you know, that that's what they're looking for. It's okay, well, what's going to get from A to Z? Is it going to work? Can you show me something that's similar so that I can invest in that and have an outcome like that? So now we're finally at that place where we can do that. But for a long time, it was a lot of firsts. But the coolest thing is with entrepreneurship and, and being able to start your own business is the marketplace doesn't care who you are or what you look like. They just care, is it gonna help me? Is it working? Is it good? And now consumers are getting a lot more educated. So stuff that's really fluffy doesn't make it very far anymore, which is really cool because it evens the playing field for people with really good high quality products. And so that's what I did. I kind of took a break from fundraising because I realized it was it was a hard. It's hard to kind of overcome those barriers when you know I taught myself how to play golf, so I could like be on the golf course with with guys who you know who these investors are, and I knew that's what they were doing. That didn't really work well, but you know I tried all these different things so that I could kind of fit in and be in the right place at the right time. And so now we have a great network of people I think who've seen us. Who saw us when we started off with you know zero budget, just bootstrapped it ourselves, and are building and building, and now they're now they're taking us a lot more seriously. So when we go back, we can say, hey, remember that idea we brought to you last year? Well, gosh, now we've got thousands, tens of thousands of visitors every single month. Our team's grown. We have over 120 contributing authors. We're hosting the world's first integrative dermatology symposium with world experts from London to Hawaii, all coming to Sacramento because of our startup. So now we can really show them. And we get really awesome testimonials. People email us all the time. It is literally life-changing, if, if any of you have ever experienced it, but it can be life-changing because not only is it often a visible disease, but especially for children. We have little kids you know, dropping out of school at the age of five because eczema is so itchy, debilitating. They can't concentrate. They can't study. So to have these new options is huge. So that is where, where we are. We're in the midst of our, it's a heavy, heavy bills phase for us, so I work a lot of hours, but it is working, and, um, and for us, it's just, it's been an amazing journey to be able to have that, to be able to put together something that didn't exist before that's now helping thousands of people, we hope one day millions, and eventually billions. So that is uh, my story and the story of Dermabeta, and I'll turn it back over to Mariah. just been awesome to just see because I've been able to, to watch you grow and it's just amazing. I, I just love seeing it and uh, it's funny how you mentioned <laughs> trying to learn how to golf. I got some left-handed golf clubs in the garage and they're just collecting a whole lot of dust. I mean, just got to do you, do you. Uh, you know, that reminded me of um, Emily Chang, my love. She's on Bloomberg. Anybody else? Emily Chang, man. Okay, okay, a couple in the house. Let's see. You guys gotta get up on this. Emily Chang is the bomb. Anyway, she um, she's releasing a new book called Brotopia, and uh, there's some salacious, you know, things in, in that book. That it comes from a, a, some investigative reporting she did. You don't want to fit in in some of those parts that she's talking about. Believe me. Uh, but you know what's interesting is that she mentions that in her research of this, you know, kind of exclusive type of culture, which doesn't benefit men either, by the way. I mean, very few benefit and retain power from that bro culture, quote-unquote. But uh, she mentioned in terms of, of tech specifically and in computer science that uh, part of what influenced this culture is there was a study done back when there was a big shortage and there's shortage now, but, you know, in the early days of computer science and technology, there was a shortage of engineers. And so uh, they, they, um, they hired a couple of, of researchers to determine, you know, what makes a good programmer. And I don't even give them credit their names. I can't even remember them. They're not that important. Because this is what they did. They took 1,000 men and 200 women at this set of time when there, a lot of women were computers, right? And uh, they determined that what makes a good programmer is basically a dislike of people. So going back to the plastic in the ocean, <laughs> you know, sometimes, like you said, we look for, for patterns, right? But when you are a unicorn, that's not a pattern. That's an anomaly. That's exceptional. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes we have to question the heuristics. Um, so speaking of questions, we're going to go into some questions with our panelists. And this is exciting for me because I get the chance. I get to ask the questions and gain the knowledge. So, um, so just to, for all panelists, we're just going to start off with this. What do you wish that you had known 
before becoming an entrepreneur, particularly as it pertains to being a woman and or a person of color? What are some early mistakes that you learned from? Uh, I'll start that off. I, I think I wish I had realized the issues that were there um, and sought out paths and mentors that could have helped me earlier on. Um, I think I've always been a little bit um, wanting to be an island or I'm, I'm maybe a little proud and said I can do things on my own um, and don't need necessarily what I, I think I look at as almost like handouts, like if there was a thing for women only or things like that, I'd be like, well, I know that problem exists, but it doesn't necessarily apply to me. Um, and I know now that was really stupid <laughs> and a little bit of hubris. Um, and actually, it is a real problem, and we should recognize it and always be seeking out um, other tables. We don't. If you're not going to be led on the on the table, just either bring your own seat or actually build your own table. And there's a big movement right now to help help women, help people who are underrepresented, um, to make sure that we are beginning to level the playing field. And I think if I had known that earlier on, I would have sought to do that more because it not only helps yourself, but it's helping everyone in general. I think that if we can band together and address the problem, um, everybody wins. I'll just echo that. Um, I think for me, so the only reason I'm here today is because of my mentors. And some of them are in the room. Um, but I have had the most incredible, incredible mentors who just believed in me. Because there's times you may not even believe in yourself. But they believed in me. They would keep opening doors. They would keep recommending uh, me meet with this person or that person. And just kind of little by little, you just go away. So I absolutely am a huge fan of mentorship and recommend everybody. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't have to be super formal. It might just be somebody, a professor, or somebody in the internship or career center, or um, just somebody who, a friend of where they work. And um, I just had a student recently contact me who went through my LinkedIn because she wanted informational interviews about people that were connected to me in LinkedIn. I was actually really impressed by that, so I just connected her with everybody that she wanted to meet. But so it's just kind of, you know, sometimes it can be that easy. It's just reaching out because people do, at the end of the day, they want to help. And um, for me, I think the biggest thing I wish I would have done earlier is start sooner rather than later. So go do an internship at a startup, even if it's unpaid. It's, I think it's worth it. You're going to learn a ton. Or um, just start sooner testing out your idea and trying to build a team because it's way more expensive and way harder to do it after you've graduated for several reasons. One, when you're a student, other companies and other startups are willing to talk to you because, oh, you're a student and, oh, you're researching for your project. Oh, gosh, yeah, sure, let me sit down and tell you all about it. But when you're on the other side and you're building a competitive product or you are you know, in a similar space, it's a lot harder to have those conversations and to learn. So I think starting early um, and just kind of, even if you're not sure, go try and start it and see what it's like or try a few. Um, and one of my professors once said, you know, entrepreneurship is actually a career path. It really should be viewed like that. And I think that's, if I had done it again, I would have gone and done internships at Startup to really understand what the everyday is like. Um, and so I think that's one of my biggest takeaways for you all. I kind of also want to echo that as well, because uh, I think that is the key thing is, you know, kind of going out, taking advantage of the resource that you have, and do an internship like um, she just shared is, go out and uh, do an intern at a startup company. Uh, for me, you know, I was very fortunate. I uh, found the Sacramento Entrepreneur Academy, and I was able to find a great mentor, and I even went to work for him. He was starting his business, and I was like, number employee 20. And so I really got the opportunity to really see firsthand and experience how to run a business before I went off and venture my business. So just get yourself out there. Uh, just you know, take advantage of the resource because they're out there. You just need to look for it. Uh, and I think for us, is don't be shy uh, of our gender or our, uh, colors or anything because uh, your opportunities out there for you to reach and get. Um, as you know, here at UC Davis allowed me to find that academy and also gave me that opportunity to really uh, talk to mentors and find my path and choose the right path because the whole process of going to college is really finding what is right for you and take advantage of the resources that you have on campus and around you at the community. So 
the topic of mentorship came up there, and, and that is a good segue into our next one. If there's a you know a couple other things that could be uh, added to it, uh, mentor relationships from women are statistically different from those that men traditionally have. Um, how have you all sought out? You mentioned accelerators, and and uh, you, but how have you sought out? or stumbled upon, or leveraged mentors in your endeavors? So, yeah, I think um, that was one of my kind of, uh, I was kind of shy in a sense, like, you know, when I looked down the list of who I can talk to about running, running a business or starting a business, a lot of them were male, and there wasn't female where I can feel, I can, um, they can relate to me where my position and wanted to do that and kind of associate with me and not, uh, you know, um, understand if I'm talking to the male, you know, if there's more dominant. And I think that's where it, 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 it shouldn't be any difference, you know. Um, I think at the end of the day is you're trying to get uh, a great advice and opinion of how you can start your business. And uh, that's something I hope to kind of see more is uh, female going out and being mentors really open up uh, and sharing to other of their peers that, you know, there's no difference in sex uh, and you can be a mentor yourself uh, to share with other young women that want to uh, enter the business field. Yeah, I think that's right. And um, if you, I, I don't think it necessarily needs to be female. I think you need to find somebody that you connect with. Um, and making sure that they um, understand what you're trying to do. You should be able to tell them who you are, this is what I'm going to do, and this is why you should care. And if that resonates with them, then I think those are the right people to, to work with. Oftentimes, I think it's just about asking. Benita um, said it, uh, you, we should be LinkedIn stalkers always. Just go and see who, <laughs> who it is that can help you and, and just reach out. What's the worst they can say is no. And I agree, take advantage of being here on campus. And yes, definitely talk to competitors. That's always a good thing. I'm doing research. Um, take advantage of where you are now. People will be willing to listen and to talk to you. And all it takes is asking. Find the right person to connect you and just go ask. Yeah, I'll just echo that. And Google, there's a lot of program. I'm going to plug one, Million Women Mentors. They particularly help women in STEM. It's a national organization. Um, there are many, many more of these organizations now. So whether you're male, female, in entrepreneurship, just interested in STEM, there are mentors that can help. Um, I, I'll put another plug. Tomorrow is the Startup Weekend Women's Edition in Sacramento. So there are mentors there who are literally there to help you start your idea. You can build a team and pitch, and you, you can go through that just in one weekend for me a ton. So I think between Google and not being afraid to ask, um, you will be bound to find people who are willing to, who either think like you or are willing to support you and, and mentor and guide you. I love that you planned that event. And, you know, between the accelerators that uh, we've either been part of or have graduated from, you know, the, the mentors who are participating in there, they're literally signing up and saying, you know, we want a mentor. Um, and, I, and I just want to echo the, the point about uh, what's the worst they can say is no. Stop, stop with a brief uh, request to the three sentences on the, on the first message and you'll up your success ratio. A lot of this, uh, you know, I learned with being a loquacious one uh, from trial and error, but you know, the more no's you get, the closer you are to that right yes. And it's important to find people who can not only mentor, but sponsor you and be excited for you. Um, so even if you have to kiss some frogs or find out when, you know, from a mentor, you know, like, oh, I don't want to do that. That, or you know, I don't want to be like that when I start mentoring. Just go out there and gain wisdom uh, and, and tap in. So I, I really appreciate all of the insight that came from that. Um, now, Benita, you had shared a story about an experience with a prospective investor, and I know these are not comfortable stories to tell, um, but they need to be told. And we've heard from the Me Too movement how powerful it can be to tell our stories. Um, but, but you shared this uh, experience where this prospective investor questioned your family planning intentions. And uh, you know, can you share that with us and what impression it gave you about how, be, how uh, becoming a parent might disadvantage you? Yeah, uh, yes, totally. So the interesting 
thing about when you go ask wealthy individuals for their money is all kinds of questions come up because anything that we put out on the table, there's really no restrictions or requirements. Um, so I have had some in incidences where um, they just, they, one of the questions that came up really was around, oh, okay, so you know, we've gone through multiple stages. We're actually in the final stages of kind of closing out this round. And the question came up, okay, yeah, I mean, everything sounds really good. I had nailed my financials and my pitch was perfect. I had gotten all this feedback. I was feeling good. And I thought everything was going well until he asked, oh, so when are you going to have kids? And honestly, it took me by surprise because I really hadn't been thinking about that. And I didn't have a good response other than I said, well, you just met my baby. And it's like, you know, it's all, I put all my eggs into one basket. I, you know, I love what I do. I'm super passionate. And so for me, that, that was all I could think of. Um, and so definitely those kinds of questions come up. And now, you know, looking back, I'm a little better prepared when those things come up. But yeah, the, the truth is I've had people, you know, everything from, hey, that was a really good presentation, but I think you talk too much. You know, I think it's maybe because you're a woman and maybe you just, you know, pare it down a little. And so you get all kinds of feedback and you just kind of take it, you roll with it, you listen, you take that and you say, okay, that's really valuable, implement that. That was kind of kooky, I'm going to ignore that. And um, we just keep going, keep going forward. Um, and so for me, that did come up as an issue and, and as a very realistic question. And but for me, the only thing is, you know, there are days where it's not uncommon to work 20 hours a day. Like you just, you just do what you got to do when you have, you know, a big ambitious goal is no money <laughs> and you're wearing a lot of hats. There are days where you just plug and shut. There are many days, I don't know what day of the week it is. I didn't know next Monday is a holiday. I mean, you just keep going because there's so many, you know, you want to help your team succeed and you want to be able to help um, other people or just move this idea forward. So um, it can be that rigorous. And so for me, I kind of had a one-track mind and I haven't really planned to pre uh, also start a family at this time, um, but there are super women on the panel, so I'll turn it over to them to talk about those experiences. Now, Ann, you had mentioned that your mother has been an incredible support for you being uh, a mom. And, you know, I like to liken a startup to being like a, a child. It's like another child keeps you up at night, you know, comes first. But there are literally women who have nine. I have a, a mommy mentor who, who has nine children who are like literally rocket scientists and doctors. But it takes a support system, whether it's a company or a child. Now, being a mother of two, can you share a little bit about how support systems have helped you in your startup and as a mother? It definitely. Um, you know, my mom definitely um, was a huge uh, factor in supporting me, um, especially with, um, you know, it's not a disadvantage, you know, for women. Uh, you know, have kids and you can't start a business, or oh, you're going to be on maternity, you're going to now be behind of the eight ball because everybody's going to proceed and you have to take time off with the kids. Um, it's the support you have around you. You know, you're not going to stop after you have your kid, you're still going to continue to go and uh, move forward. Uh, and I think it's taking advantage of what's around you to help support you uh, to continue on and not have a pause. And I think that should be a disadvantage for us women if we have kids and we can't continue our business. Uh, so when I started notified, um, I was pregnant. And you know, and my husband, was, and he was a great support, and he said, you sure you're gonna continue notify? You know, uh, you're gonna have our second kid, it's gonna be a more uh, time spent. And, and you know, at that time, I. You know, I still wanted to start a uh, continued company. I saw opportunity, I saw a vision for it, and where I wanted to take it, and it was a great timing, and then I didn't want to miss that opportunity. And uh, sure enough, I had a great help from my mom. She moved back uh, from Oregon, and she, you know, helped me um, with the time of um, my maternal leave, where it wasn't really a, a stop for me, because I still was working, you know. I uh, took my three months, but it was, I think it's an advantage, because it kind of is like, you take your step away from the day-to-day, -day, you get a moment to really grasp all that, and I took that as an opportunity where things were a, lower, a slower pace, and I saw more, um, you know, different changes that I could do. And so I really take that as an advantage time for me to take a step back and just really take the moment to 
you know, it's surrounding and around me. So, and the opportunity to have that help also really helped drive me to continue where I am today with their Awesome. So as we wrap up now, uh, Kimmy, you've led teams. And, and we know that, that teams are important. And you're also, you know, you lead a, an accelerator where you're you know, bringing in founders and you're seeing teams being built. So, you know, just on that note, as we build our teams and our support systems, could you share some learnings that you've had leading, leading teams and what qualities you see in teams, uh, founders that can make them successful or, or what you would uh, advise people to be aware of? Yeah, so I think um, uh, start the founder um, element. Um, you've kind of heard it in the stories that people are seeing. Um, pers- perseverance is ultimately the biggest thing. Perseverance and grit, because you're going to hit a lot of bumps, and so being able to ride those is important. Hiring is always difficult, um, and often what you'll see is that you need to be quick to fire. If you've made a bad hire, especially in the beginning, it will really hurt you very badly. Um, and that is across the board, regardless of if it's a tech team or any other member that you're hiring. Um, they do need to wear multiple hats, they need to be committed, and they also are going to be part of building the culture. And we've seen big companies stumbling because the culture was set on a back foot by initial you know, the founders or bad hires in the beginning. So you have to be very careful with that. Um, but yeah, I think hiring is ultimately one of the biggest things um, when it comes to growing the company uh, and knowing that you're looking for people that are smarter than you. What founders should be trying to do is making themselves irrelevant and surrounding themselves with amazing people that can carry that vision forward and will be committed to them. Um, I think those are the most critical things to look for. Um, as you're in, um, in college now, you are surrounded by very smart people who are learning and have access to incredible professors here. Um, so certainly look around and, and see who, who you might want to bring forward with you. Um, the compatibility between the people that you're hiring is also very important because you're going to be going through a very vigorous and difficult um, uh, path together. So having a strong bond is important. But certainly, always be looking out, um, be talking to people, uh, and surround yourself with very, very smart people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, the, the closing thoughts for for the panel. You know, uh, we've had a, a couple of references to you know, kind of fitting in in the bro culture, and we're not anti-bro. Love men. Love men. I'm married to one. 14 years this week, actually. Really? 
said, you know, when you go to college, you know, a lot of courses you take, but really at the end of the day, what I got out of it was you learn how to solve problems and think analytically. So when you go out to the real world or start a business, nothing's going to be given to you as a straight linear path of A, B, and C, Z. It's how you get from A to Z is every different ways. Uh, so therefore, you know, it's more of you got to be a go-getter, a self-starter, and really um, think outside the box and um, find the path that's best for you to get to the end. Uh, so it's not where you have to follow a step process that's very structured. And I think that's the key thing with an entrepreneur is you're always thinking outside the box and thinking on your feet uh, to get to your solution or your end goal or solving the customer need. most of the time, but just to quickly say, um, in terms of changing the workforce and the world culture and everything, the movement has begun, um, and I think everybody needs to get involved, the venture capitals, the startups, the people who are in the minorities, people who are not minorities, the movement is happening, don't get left behind. Yeah, here. Great discussion, right? Okay, thanks for listening. If you like what we do here at Startup Sec and value the content like this that we share with the community and you'd like to see us continue to share more, please consider supporting us through a donation. It's easy to do, and for less than the price of a cup of coffee each month, you can help sustain our ability to share content and resources like this with the community. Go to startupsec.com slash support for a list of ways you can support us, including becoming a Patreon patron. Thanks.